0: Finding fertility is all about looking at the whole body and finding the root cause of your infertility. Finding fertility does not diagnose, prescribe, or treat any issues of infertility. But what we do is take a holistic approach and improve your diet and your lifestyle to get you steps closer to creating your dream family. Just by being here with me listening to this podcast, you're already going down the right path to making your dreams come true. Let's do this together. Happy Friday, all. Welcome back to another episode of Finding Fertility. I'm your host, Monica Cox, and I'm super excited and honored to have Dr. Deborah Fryer on. So, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about yourself because well, as far as I'm concerned, you're an amazing woman, so let's hear those credentials and who you are. You know, it's always so kind of scary when someone says, please introduce yourself,
1: because the little one in me is like, oh, I'm not allowed to be that big. And, you know, the older version of me is like, come on, go ahead and brag. Yeah. So I'll, I'll share with you what the credentials are, and um, and then I'll give you some metaphors, because I believe that who I am, who we all are, is really beyond definition, and is really beyond credentials, and is really the the ultimate... A fertile creative life force that we are, uh, which is truly how I identify, which I know is why I'm a guest on this podcast. But these are the credentials. I finished a PhD in comparative literature from Princeton, and I thought I was a fraud. I thought I, you know, still wasn't good enough. So then I became a documentary filmmaker, and that was super amazing. And I traveled around the world telling stories about climate change and uh, diversity and biodiversity and the environment and health and mental health. And then I still felt like I wasn't enough because my income was up and down and up and down and up and down. So I decided I should go to medical school and become a real doctor. And (laughs) you can't see me and Monica, but we're laughing. Uh, So, you know, I thought I should go and be a real doctor because I didn't feel like I was a real enough human as it was. So then off I trotted to medical school and uh, in the process of going to medical school and getting a pre-medical degree and having interviews at medical school, um, I I really discovered uh, the deeper currents of what makes us human, which is that life force creative element that I spoke of in the beginning. And I ended up not going to medical school and starting my own business, which is a uh, mindset, creative, catalyst, spiritual business, coaching business and I'm often invited to speak and write about these topics about how do we be multi-dimensional creators of the
0: lives that we want to live yeah it's amazing um and I think it just sends us right into you know a perfect topic to start discussing about that imposter syndrome and that worthiness and that not having a, enough self-love to look at just the human that we are and go, I'm good enough. I'm good enough just who I am. And yet here we are, because I know a lot of people listening are super type A, always on the go, always trying to prove their worthiness. Um, And the fact of the matter is, is part of some of the issues that we are encountering is that we don't feel worthy enough and especially not worthy enough to be a mother. totally This reminds me of a dream that I had when I was
1: in my very early 30s, and I was working for an environmental filmmaker at PBS, and I was 30 or 31, and the very first day I went to work with her, she sat me down in her office, or I sat down in her office, and she said, if you are going to have children, you better do it now. And I was like, what? Like, this is my first day i work with you. And she was like, I'm just telling you, if you want to have children, you better do it now. You don't have all the time in the world. You just turned 30 or 31, whatever it was. And I'm telling you that it's going to go like that and you better do it. And she was making films about reproductive health and environmental health and carrying capacity and biodiversity and climate change. And so I started traveling the world with her, making documentary films about these things. And I remember maybe it was, I was 36 or 37, right? So it was like my clock was ticking and I was a few years like moving towards that threshold. And I had this dream. I was with her in, I don't know, Israel or, or Tucson or Italy. I don't remember. I was in a hotel somewhere in the world, and I don't remember because I was that type A that was go, 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 go. And I woke up from this dream. I, I was in the middle of this dream. And in the dream, I was running down a concourse in the airport, and I was trying to get to concourse B. Now, that's no accident, B-E, but in my dream, it was the letter B. I was trying to get to concourse B. And on the way to concourse B, there was this exhibit, and the exhibit was an orchid exhibit. And I was like, oh, I have to go smell the orchids. I have to see all the orchids. And so I went into this orchid exhibit and there was just this intoxicatingly beautiful and, and succulent and fragrant. It was like Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz where I just went into this trance in the orchid exhibit. And then I hear them calling, your flight is boarding. And I took off and I ran down the concourse and I just woke up in this sweat of, oh my God, I missed my flight. Oh my God, I missed my flight. And I sat there in bed realizing, spit This is a dream about, am I going to go down the career path or kids? It was literally about like, am I going to have this or kids? And I was in this or kids exhibit and it was just a real like, and I can still feel right now as I'm sharing
0: this, just like this on my heart, just this weight of, I have to make a choice. Do you think it was, an actual, you had to make that choice, this or that. You couldn't have both.
1: I felt like I couldn't have both. And the reason I felt like I couldn't have both is because when I was 38, I was single. I was not in a relationship. And as a documentary filmmaker, my income was up and down. It would be up when I was on a project and it would be down when I was not on a project and I'd be in the unemployment office. I'd be crushing cans, you know, I'd be collecting cans and crushing cans and getting nickel a can in order to pay my rent. Like I was really down to the wire and I didn't see how I could bring a child into the world without having money and without having a partner to support me. And I was raised by a single mom. So I knew, I know firsthand, what does it feel like to be raised by a single partner without a lot of money? And there was a lot of love in my house and not a lot of money. And so I made this unconscious separation of, I can have one, but not the other. And so I ran down the path towards the plane and I left the orchids behind. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it's like such a powerful dream. It's kind of left me left me speechless, which is very uncommon. Um, now the work that you do, And the consciousness that you have about that relationship with money. What would be if someone came to you and said, okay, I need to make a choice. Between having a a child and having the money, having the security. Where would you lead them in that healing path? Or is that a really big question?
1: (laughs) It's an awesome question. You know, there were so many stones in the river along my path. And I kept thinking, I have time, I have time, I have time. So after that dream where I delayed and I delayed and I delayed because I didn't want to do it when I didn't have a partner and I didn't want to do it when I didn't have the money, I eventually did meet my partner. Um, But before I met my partner, I remember I was working on another documentary film and the title of the film was Torn. And it was about this exact juncture. And I interviewed a bunch of women about, do I pursue my career or do I have children? And I totally forgot that that was like so in my face and I missed it until this moment when we're having this conversation that I made a freaking documentary about women who are in the same quandary. And I was like, no, I don't have the money. I need to have the money. I need to have the husband. Like I was so outsourcing. Like I'm the one who's going to carry the child. (laughs) I'm the one who's the creative life force. And I didn't see myself as capable, right? I didn't see myself as as worthy or capable or loving enough to bring another human into the world by myself. And millions of women do it alone all the time. And millions of women do it in marriages that aren't great marriages. And and millions of women do it in in marriages where they are not well-resourced, right? So like I was using excuses rather than really letting myself do the thing that was really scary to do alone because I felt under-resourced and under-supported at the time. So I, I did make that documentary about this movie, Torn. And um, my two best friends, so one of them was my best friend uh, from childhood and the other was my best friend from graduate school. And both of them were going through fertility, IVF to get pregnant. And around this time was when I met my now husband. And so I was in these conversations with my best friends, both of whom were going through IVF and getting pregnant, and I wanted to have the conversation, but we were newly newly dating. Like we'd been dating maybe 2 months or 3 months and he was like, I don't want to have the conversation. And I kept wanting to bring it up and he was like, I don't want to have the conversation yet. We don't even know if we're going to have a life together. And so it you know it took It took the time that it took for us to commit to each other. And then we started, uh, you know, having as much unprotected sex as we wanted, and it didn't result in having a child. So the answer to your question, what would I say to people who now uh, are in the boat that I was in, which is you're in your 30s and you're on the fence. Do I want to? Do I not want to? It's a complicated question, for sure. Uh, And so I would say, look at it from every side. Look at it from every side. You know, when I was looking at it from every side, part of me really wanted the experience of having a baby just because biologically, it's so cool. It's just a miracle that these bodies can create this little tiny human. And I wanted to have that physical experience. And I wanted to have the experience of, of lovemaking and and loving the pregnancy and loving the birth. And I wanted that whole experience. I wanted to share that with another person. And so, you know, explore what does that mean for you? And there was another part of me who, the part of me that makes documentaries about climate change and biodiversity and the future of the planet. There was a part of me that that was very concerned about population on the planet. And do I want to, Bring another birth, another life uh, to the planet. And part of me does. Part of me wants to add my genes to the conversation. and and part of me wants to adopt a child who needs a home. And so, you know, explore that. You know, from where I now sit, I have tremendous freedom in the sense that I'm not responsible for a child I have for children. Uh, but I, I do have a great deal of freedom that I hear from my friends who are moms uh, don't feel that they have. So it's not a simple, easy answer, you know, like the path I chose is is the path I chose. And sometimes I feel great sadness about that path and, and about that choice. And sometimes I feel great freedom and exhilaration about that choice and regret doesn't undo the choice, so I try not to indulge in regret, and yet there are moments where I just feel I missed out on something that I would have loved to have experienced.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, thank you for being so vulnerable and sharing that with us. Um, You know, kind of going back to the whole money thing, because I don't think people realize that they're um, money mindset, right. Let's just put it that way, actually holds them back from a lot of things, which one could be experiencing motherhood because you didn't feel safe because you didn't have the money. You know, what I see and I, what I've asked my community is like, why haven't you joined my course? Why haven't you, you know, bought the information? Why haven't you, you know, why aren't you doing the one-to-one? And the biggest concern is money. They uh-huh. don't feel like they have the money.
1: Uh-huh.
0: And, from my experience and what i've learned it's just another form of lack right mm-hmm. you're in that state of lack how do we move away from that state of lack so we we can look back at our journey because one of my my top things is is look back at your journey and be proud of yourself right no matter what the outcome was whether adoption IVF fur babies, you know, being the best auntie in the world. I want my community to walk away feeling proud and just like, you know, really just joyful about life. But I don't feel like people can get there until they get rid of that lack. And I think money is really tied, you know, ties them down. Can you speak a little bit to that? Yeah, I totally agree. And I'm sure that my experience
1: uh, has something to do with me now being a money mindset uh, mentor with people because you know, we teach what we needed to learn and I needed to find that great creative impulse inside of me, right? We're all made of that creative impulse to create something, whether it's a book or a painting or an amazing recipe or organize your house or or create human children or create a flower arrangement. We are just creating all the time and we're designed to create. And when we can tap into that life force, it is an automatic ever resourcing flow that is flowing through us. And so when people get stuck with money, which is why people come to me is because they have you know, the same uh, excuses that I had uh, when I was 30, which is, well, I don't have the money. And so I often use the baby metaphor when we're talking about money, when they'll say, well, I don't have the money. I'll invest in you when I have the money. And that's like saying, when I have the child, then I will have sex it's backwards, right? I mean, you have the sex first, and then the result is you have the child, whether you have the sex you know, the old fashioned way, it's kind of old fashioned in 2023, because there are so many ways of, of becoming pregnant with, with egg donors and in vitro. And, you know, there are so many ways to do it. So uh, I hope it's okay that I'm being light with the old fashioned sex way. Uh, you know, it could be a turkey baster. I don't know. There's so many ways to do it, and 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 you know, if you conceive, if if you have a child, if you adopt a child, if you're a surrogate mother, it, however a, a baby comes into your world, it comes into your world because fundamentally the divine masculine and the divine feminine energies got together. And that same principle applies to money, and the money is a byproduct of the divine masculine, the divine feminine coming together inside of you, before there's the external result. In the same way that the divine masculine, the divine feminine come together, you know, in in your womb or in a petri dish or in a surrogate mother's womb, before the child arrives so we really need to go to the precondition we really need to go to the seed rather than looking at the result as proof for anything you know the the result grew from the seed being planted in you Does that make sense? Am I being clear with that? Yeah,
0: absolutely. Well, to me, you are. (laughs) But Obviously, I've, um, you know, had to realize this myself, right? And it's one of the big things is like, you have to find joy now. Baby isn't going to bring the joy, right? Right. Um, And I talk about a lot where you have to, you have to imagine your spirit baby looking down at you and it's judging you, Right. How are you acting? How are you behaving? Because if you're sad and depressed and in victim mode and you have the spare room that's going to be the baby's room when you get pregnant looking full of cardboard boxes and junk and and you don't have to make it a nursery, but make it into a beautiful space that lights you up all the time. you know if if the baby's looking down at you and going, "Oh hell, no, I ain't coming." <laughs> Like mama is not ready for me. Right. Or from, in my case, I'm sure my babies were like, no, your body is not in health. (laughs) Like we need you a lot healthier before we're going to allow you to dictate our genetic makeup. Right. So you really have to look at your inner world and your outer world and how you're expressing that. And I think it's the same, you know, when you bring it into money, um, And and that lack, that scarcity, um, it's the same thing. It's the same energy
1: right? Yeah, it's and- totally the same. It's such a great metaphor because money is looking at you and saying, is she a good steward of money? Does mm-hmm. she pay her bills on time? Is she responsible? Does she make wise investments? Does she follow through on what she said she was going to do? You know, is she going to squander me? Is she going to waste me? Is she going to be irresponsible with me? Is she going to, you know, break her commitments and be out of integrity? You know, like money is looking at us. It's just energy in the same way. Um, although I, I think that I think that babies have souls and I don't know that money has a soul. I think money is just energy mm-hmm. uh, that is transformed by us, by our creativity. It's an exchange. Yeah, It's a, it's a relationship. So um, the, it's not exactly apples and oranges because I think we humans have souls and we choose uh, the nest that we want to land in. And I think that money is energy that is constantly circulating, constantly flowing, and it's actually not ours. It moves through us so that we can do good things with it. And it wants to circulate. It actually doesn't want to stay with us. It's more like a couch surfer or more like, you know, somebody who's, who's an itinerant, who's traveling around and it's here for a little bit. And then it's going to go stay here for a little bit. And then it's going to go to Monica's house. And then it's going to go over here and then it's going to go over here and then it'll come back to Deborah's house and then it'll go over here. And then it's going to go hang out with Monica for a little bit. You know, it, it likes to travel around and circulate. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, there is that difference, right? Um, so I would go out on a limb and say every everyone listening to this now is actively trying to get pregnant. They're not on the fence whether they should stop their careers or have a baby, right? We are actively all trying to have a baby. Um, but I do think that your story is so relevant because it was my story too of that not feeling worthy enough and you had the distraction of a glorious career of these you know you you had that where I didn't (laughs) I, I didn't like not have that and um but I think they're they're so similar in that sense of like we didn't get um the mothering that we needed and even though we can both agree that we had beautiful mothers they did you know the best that they could do for us but they probably didn't have the mothers they needed either right so we're now talking about generational issues Um, and I know you probably do a lot of work with your clients about mothering yourself and Mm -hmm. mothering that inner child Mm -hmm. Um, how important do you think that is to the whole healing process mentally emotionally and physically it is huge
1: I believe that our attachment style to our parents shows up in our relationship to money. And at the soul level, I believe that we came in knowing the nest we were landing in and we picked our parents, we picked our siblings, we picked the conditions that were challenging because Those challenges were the exact props that we needed to grow in the way that if you want to be a great skier, you want to find big moguls on a steep slope, right? Because you're not going to improve very much if you're on a bunny hill or a catwalk. You need something that's going to challenge you. Or you know, if you want to be a stronger bicyclist, you're going to do some hills that that are going to push you. And so I believe that on the soul level, we we chose our conditions because they pushed us to dig deep and find those parts of ourselves. But when we come in and we're here with our human families, uh, we all have a certain attachment style. And it might be avoidant. It might be very needy. It might be needing a lot of reassurance. It might be, I'll just figure everything out myself. Clearly, you're too busy. It might be, oh, you're really hurting. Let me come and fix that for you. Let me take the hurt from you. And we end up being in that relationship with money unconsciously until we heal that initial mother wound. And I want to say that when I say mother wound, we are mothered by all kinds of humans who are not necessarily our birth mothers they might be mothers or fathers or aunts or uncles or siblings or grandparents or or teachers so it i believe that it is bigger than our initial mother and i believe that right now we are in a deeply loving relationship with the divine mother which is mother earth and the divine mother of you know compassion with tara and and that's really where the healing happens is knowing that we are supported, knowing we are held, knowing we are loved, knowing we belong.
0: Percent. Um, I know from my experience, if I would have heard that a few years ago, it would have made me feel really uncomfortable. <laughs> mm, why that? Uh, just because I had the attachment, or you know, the uh, the style of like, I'll do it on my own. Mm -hmm. right? Like I don't need anyone. I don't, I don't need to be mother. I couldn't even sit in like the um fetus position on my Mm -hmm. side for years. Like when I Mm -hmm. first started doing yoga and then like you, you know, you go into like uh Shavasana and then when you come out, most of the time they guide you to your right side, you take a krauts position and then you come up like, I could not do that position and it wasn't really until I started working, you know, with those inner wombs. And like you say, not just with my mother, but just being that little girl and not getting the things that I needed emotionally um, from the people around me through throughout the years right because it almost compounds on each other like you didn't get it with between not and five and then all of a sudden between five and ten shit more shit happens and then ten to you know like fifteen then your boyfriend start doing it because you didn't have it, you know like it's just like uh, like this spiral circle um but I I definitely um, do realize now during my fertility journey, it was there was a lot of blockages that I um, was putting up, and it wasn't causing my fertility, but it was definitely contributing to my fertility issues. That I I didn't think I was good enough because I didn't actually know what it looked like or what it felt like. So I think a lot of times my body was just manifesting some of the issues um, in a physical way to be like, okay, well, we don't really want this because subconsciously you don't, you don't think you're worthy of it.
1: Right. It would totally disagree with your identity of yourself. Mm -hmm. And that's why we keep repeating certain patterns. And You know, It's easy to look outside of ourselves and see the same pattern happening over and over and to say, oh, well, first I didn't get it from my mom between zero and five, and then I didn't get it again between five and 10, and then there was this boyfriend, and I didn't get it, and I kept not getting it because they kept not giving it to me. But if they were to give it to you, you probably would not have been able to receive it, or maybe they were giving it to you, but you were completely oblivious to it because it didn't agree with your identity. Yeah. Right. Like in my case, my identity was not of somebody who could be a single mother thriving. Like I just didn't have a model for that, even though my own mom did totally fine. Right. But but I had in my model, in my mind, oh, it was really hard and it's really struggling and we never have enough. And and I and I didn't I didn't want to repeat that. And I didn't know how to get around that at the time. I didn't know how to do differently. I just knew I didn't want to repeat the same thing.
0: And those are the looping patterns that keep us stuck in the physical world, right? So when I say to people, like, if you find yourself not being able to do the physical actions that you need to do to improve your fertility situation, it's actually your subconscious driving. And you got to get down to that root cause because it's either going to be an uphill struggle that's going to be way too long in the sense like, I'm not a huge believer in like your age completely dictating your fertility, but there's truth in the matter that, you know, biologically women will have a certain cutoff date and it's different for loads of women. So it's kind of when I get the older clients in, it's really hard sometimes to have these conversations because I'm like, fuck, I wish he would have come to me even just two years ago. Because there does come to a point where that, I I guess it's not the best phrase, but I call it, you You just fall off the fertility cliff and I can't get you up there again, right? There's sometimes when you're slowly coming down and I can grab your hand and reach you back up, but sometimes it's just like, and that's, as we probably both agree, it's that subconscious mind that just puts you in that loop and won't let you out until... Um, I don't know. I don't know what the trick is. I don't know why some people find it earlier in life. Some people don't ever find it. You know, I don't want to say um, until you're ready, you know, that that saying, but um, yeah, I, I haven't un, unearthed. Maybe I'll never know why that is for some people. I
1: wish that I had, uh, I wish I had known what I now know. Because, you know, at the time where I wanted to get pregnant, but didn't have resources, I probably would have at that time, if had I known about someone like you, I would have said, well, I don't have the money, right? I don't have the money for the child. I don't have the money for the acupuncture. I don't have the money for the herbs. I don't have the money for the NLP or, you know, any of these mind body tools. Like it just would not have been in my awareness, because my identity was, I don't have, right? I just didn't see myself as resourced. And so if you're listening to this and you're, and you're trying to have a child, work with Monica, do what she says. You have beautiful babies. I mean, there, there's really truth to the, the energetics of our subconscious is always listening. It's listening 24 seven. And when we say something to it, like I can't get pregnant, it will take that as gospel. And it will not let you get pregnant because you keep saying, I can't get pregnant. I can't get pregnant. Okay. Well, then your subconscious is saying, she says that that you can't do that. So don't do that. Like it literally does not know the difference between reality and imagination. So be yeah. super conscious of, of your language and yeah. do whatever you can do to support the inner environment that is uh, supportive and nurturing and inviting for
0: that baby out there. That's looking for someone to be its mom. And, and I think it's like the times that we live in, right? You know, if I would have been going through this journey a decade before I did, I wouldn't have stumbled onto this information. I wouldn't have stumbled onto gut health. Like gut health just was getting out there. It was just enough for me to grab onto and start doing my own investigation. So um, I do think we live in amazing times where, yes, a lot more people are, you um, Dealing with physical issues, especially around fertility, mental, emotional issues, you know, all that type of stuff. But we're living in a time where I feel people like me and you, we went through it and now we're willing to. That's our service now. That's our service to this planet to go, hey, you know, I really want to help you get to the place you want to go and a lot sooner than I got there myself. Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And there are a bunch of environmental factors right now that were not factors, or at least we didn't know about it, you know, 20 years ago. I remember I made another documentary film that was about water and it was about um, all of the hormones and chemicals that are in water. And, you know, there is birth control in every in every water drop mm-hmm. in the United States, there is uh, Ambien and there is uh, Lipitor, a, a blood uh, pressure lowering drug. And like, there are seven different drugs that are in our water supply. And we now know that, you know, fertility is being in- affected by environmental conditions. So it's both the inner environment and the outer environment that, uh, and and the, the gut brain health, there's so much information out there now, not just about the pregnancy, but about the health of the baby and breastfeeding and the microbiome. So it's just like, what an amazing time to get pregnant.
0: Yeah. Yeah. A, a scary and amazing time. But yeah, it's finding that information and having it and just, you know, kind of, you know, I feel honored, um, you know, speaking with people like you who, you know, we've been through the trenches. You know, and um, you have the knowledge that is going to literally shift um, all the environmental problems, you know, on planet Earth and within humanity, because I do think we're at a time too where people are willing to listen. They're done with the BS. They're done. There's so much evidence around us that if you're still in denial, then I mean, there's just... I mean, some people are going to stay in denial, but if you're listening to this podcast, you are not in denial anymore. You do realize that there are bigger things at play and it's time for you to really start taking control and getting out of that victim mode and getting into survival mode mm-hmm. or thrive mode, not survival, out of survival yeah, into thrive. <laughs>
1: yeah. You know, I told you that I had uh, two best friends who were both going through IVF. At the same time, my mom had two neighbors who were both using herbs and acupuncture. And they were both in their forties and they both got pregnant and they both have beautiful baby boys. I mean, their boys are not babies anymore. They're in their twenties, but you know, so like it was so in the field, all these possibilities were around me. And if you're listening right now, just know that there are so many possibilities, so many ways and paths and, and mind body, uh, tools and, and Western and Eastern and, um, you're, you're a practitioner in, uh, what's it called again?
0: Oh, I'm a functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner. No, what's yeah, that? it's not EFT. It oh, psych Oh, psych K. Yeah. Right? So there's
1: EFT tapping, and there's psych K, and there's biofeedback, and and hypnosis, and EMDR. Like there are so many tools out there to help your nervous system reset, so that it is safe and supportive for you to
0: have a baby. Yeah, exactly. They're, yeah, like you say, they're, and it's finding what works for you, right? It's the same with diet. It's the same with lifestyle, you know, all those modalities. There's a lot out there. And if something doesn't resonate, or, you know, if you get told by a doctor, you know, that doesn't work, but you really feel like it does, like follow that intuition. You have that self compass inside of you. And the more you use it and trust it, it the more it's gonna work for you. I mean, it always works for you, but like the more you'll be in tune and go, like, yeah, no, that does feel right. I know I sound like crazy, you know, like for me, like people thought I went loony when I was started to link gut health to fertility. And i I had OBGYNs laugh at me and tell me that's made up science. And I just kept going. I was just like, Well, let's see what happens because your Western medicine is not working for me, (laughs) Um, but really tune in to find what's right for you. Um, Thank you so much for coming and sharing your wisdom and your knowledge and your story and just being raw and honest with us. Can you let our listeners know where they can find you?
1: Thank you so much for having me. You can find me at deborafryer.com. And I also have a free gift And I can get you a link and you can leave in the show notes. There's a book I wrote that's called Turn On Your Tap, and there's EFT tapping in there. And in the book, there happens to be a tapping script about money, but you can use EFT tapping to calm your nervous system down. And I've worked with many people who've been trying to get pregnant and using EFT, and it has calmed their nervous systems enough, and they have gotten pregnant. So you can apply it to getting pregnant, to staying pregnant, to having an easy
0: birth, whatever you want to use it for. So those are two ways to stay connected. Oh, that's amazing. Thank you so much. And yes, those will be down in the show notes for easy access. And once again, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me.